Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are my fellow Voyager actor, who also played the role of Eric in the 1985 TV movie Ein Fenster in Manhattan, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil, and myself, your favorite forever ensign, Garrett Wong. Remember, you can get the full version of this podcast by signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. My, oh my, wow. just, just to let you know, in 1985, I was graduating from high school. And wow. so that became my freshman year at UCLA in 1985. And you were filming this TV movie, Ein Fenster in German, auf Deutsch means a window in Manhattan. A window in Manhattan, that's yes. what I remember. Yeah. Ein Fenster, I don't remember. That's so funny that you bring, it, it, that's such a... Uh, long time ago so yeah. i was i was in new york city i had gone there to be a theater actor and then got into juilliard and right. i was studying drama it was my freshman year and um we saw they they had a bulletin board in the like the student area and and there was an announcement for an audition for a german film it was near the end of my freshman year spring of my freshman year right and so a bunch of us went in from school you know my class some older classes you know seniors yeah. and everybody yeah i ended up getting the this role and i was thrilled because i hadn't really uh i don't know if i had done much film acting very little right any anyway uh i got this role and it was it was a german little indie film art film it was a tiny little role maybe one scene i think hmm. i think it was just one scene where a german uh young german man had come from Germany to New York City to find himself. And it, so it was, I think that movie was, I can't even remember. But Wait, it was you kind played of like, German then? You're playing a German No, citizen. I was playing an American. Oh, you're playing American. German okay. actor come over. And most of the film was in German. Oh. And the scene that I had with him, he was trying to find himself creatively, you know, okay. and, and who he was. And so I think a window in Manhattan was like a window into who his authenticity of I being see. an artist and yeah. being creative and being who he really was. So but still, for being I a first year student, much about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, for being a first year student at Juilliard, and you see this bulletin board posting, <laughs> no, and all of crazy. you guys, pretty much everyone, prop as a student, they're thinking, "Hey, I don't have an agent. I can go ahead and audition." I think for a this. lot this of great. yeah, it was an open, call, amazing not, open call. non-union. Yeah. it wasn't in the union. Yeah, a, a lot of uh, it was very exciting for me. I got no, to I was, do a you know a scene in a in an indie film in New York City. Most definitely. I, don't remember so much of the script was in German. I didn't even know what it was about. Yeah, that's well, uh, <laughs> that's fine. But still, you must have been so excited when you booked. It was it, thinking that hey, I'm the one that landed this role. None of y'all. It was me. So, yeah, that yeah. summer I got that role in the spring, and then in July I got my first TV job, which was the Twilight Zone. The for Twilight CBS. Zone. It was a reboot yeah. of the Twilight mm -hmm. Zone. Mm -hmm. So that summer was after one year at Juilliard. I was like, wow, I feel like I've found. You were myself as an actor yes. in a way that I had never had that kind of success well, before. It's validation from the universe, right? You yeah. felt like, look, I'm booking. I'm I'm still a student and I'm booking, which is yeah. a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Because at UCLA Theater Department, there is almost animosity towards anyone who booked anything in Hollywood yeah. while still being a student in the theater department. I don't know why yeah. that was the case, but there was there is that weirdness about, oh, 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 okay. 
you're out there auditioning already. I mean, there, there just seemed to be some anger from some students. I don't yeah, understand why. There was why. that same thing at Juilliard, but because yeah. it was New York City in the 80s, there was not much filming in New York, very right. little. So people were auditioning for plays. That was yeah. the thing. Everyone right. was trying to get a, a theater job in New York City or some, you know, uh, Shakespeare in the Park in the summer, the New York Shakespeare Festival or things yeah. like that. That yeah. was where everybody's focus was. Okay. So this little German film was not, you know, on anybody's radar, really. And yeah, people weren't auditioning for TV shows. So let us go watch this yeah. episode. Memorial is the name okay. of this episode that we're going to go check out. And we will be right back with our recap and discussion of Memorial. For those of you who are Patreon patrons already, please stay tuned for your bonus material. Okie dokie, we are back from watching Memorial. Yes, we are. You know, this whole episode to me, it's like moments of levity, of cuteness and funny lines, and then it goes straight down the the, the pooper. I mean, it just, it just, it just yeah, gets so, so serious was, This was hardcore. not a lighthearted episode at no, all. But I but, have to but, say, I really enjoyed it. I yes. really did. It's, but it's, there were some very light moments within the episode. Some some moments yeah. of comedy, some humor. Now and then, but very rare. Much less than we normally have. This one was pretty intense. Okay. I thought, for me. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. going to point out all those moments as we go through. Okay, good. Okay, good. I want to hear right. them. Let's start with our uh, let's start with our haiku and yes. limerick synopses. And here we go yes. with my haiku for Memorial. Long away mission. Crew have unexplained nightmares. Guilt can teach us all. Oh wow! Yeah, that was, it was very just, deep. Deep, but it was difficult to do. It was so yeah. difficult. I wanted to talk yeah. about your TV and all that stuff, but I couldn't even. Get, I couldn't fit. A that haiku in, is in not way. not a lot of real estate for no deep stuff. It, there's not even a front lawn. It's, it's no. sort of like you know. There's maybe a welcome mat. Yeah, <laughs> that's about. That's how much that's real a estate haiku. You get. Yeah. But that's the whole point of it. It's <laughs> it just is. very brief. It is. Do you remember when we started this? podcast yes. the synopsis that we would come up with yeah where we'd try to explain just would go on for like five or ten minutes it was like <laughs> we, we're like trying I, to I, I remember i had you oh do oh my you were gosh. doing it for a while and you would meander and meander it would be the long 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 synopsis for yourself yeah. and for me too i guess that's so. where the poetry came from we were like <laughs> we got to do, do this quick yeah, we have to somehow condense this. So basically, the limerick is a condensing of the synopsis, but the mm -hmm. haiku is even a further, further condensing, right? Yes. So you're just yes. down to the essence at that point. All right, don't make me wait any longer. Let me hear this wonderful limerick. Here we go with our limerick synopsis for Memorial. <clears throat> the Voyager boys' mission was a success till memories of a battle caused them distress. Paris got a TV, but yelled at Bellana meanly, it's really not fun having post-traumatic stress. Nice. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah, and haunting at the same time. I got the TV in there. You did. Yeah. You did. You squeezed it in. Good job. Okay. You're welcome. All right, You're let's welcome. talk about, um, let's talk about directors, guest stars, writers, Okay. The whole yes, let's yards. do. Here we go. So our writer was Robin Berger. Did the teleplay, hmm. and remember, we couldn't remember Robin Berger when we talked recently about her. <sighs> but she was a very experienced writer. I just don't remember her at all. No. We did, we by the way, 
none of the writers ever came to set except I remember Brian Fuller coming to set more than most and Brandon every now and then. I saw Brandon and Brandon and saw, every now and then. I saw Minoski every now and then for sure. Mm, the one person bit. I never saw was Berman. Yeah. Our, our grand poobah. I never no. saw him. So no, you know, he came down for the hundredth episode. He came down. Sometimes he'd pop into very rarely into the hair makeup trailer to approve something last minute, like an alien makeup or something, Yeah, but he wouldn't come onto set. No. no. Yeah. So a uh, story by Brandon Braga. You got that right. You guessed ah. Brandon. I guessed Joe. I said, Joe Minoski. You, you said did. Brandon. Mm-hmm. You did. So you got that right. And, and you also got the director right. Directed by Alan Craker. Bam. Good guess. Two, you got a twofer on this one. Wow. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I love Alan's work. It's so good. He's just a, yeah. a very talented man. I didn't realize how many low-angle shots there were in this in this episode. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Just and also like, wonders. These long, like... Long wonders in the, yeah. in, the, in the briefing room. It's just yeah. like, what is happening? Look at this choreography. It's amazing. He really, really just, you know, he did a stand-up job on this one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, guest stars. Guest stars. We have a bunch of them this week. We have yeah. L.L. Ginter mm-hmm. as Savdra. Mm, the, Commander uh, Savdra. Commander yeah. Savdra. His very first job was a TV movie called Rita Hayworth, The Love Goddess, yeah. 1983, starring Linda Carter as Rita Hayworth in a TV film. What? Yes. Are you serious? And Linda, Linda Carter, Carter was- Wonder Woman was playing was Rita Hayworth Rita Hayworth in a TV movie called The Love Goddess. Oh yes. god, I want to watch this. I, I really want to watch. And she was this. at the height of her, you know, fame oh and god. celebrity back then, 1983, for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm huge I, I am a huge huge Linda Carter fan. Yeah, just, she's I've awesome. always Oh, I've always Well, he that. made his debut, his acting debut with Linda. Um, yeah. We have Scarlett Palmer's of course as yes. Naomi showing up. We have an actor named Fleming Brooks playing Soldier One. Uh, this Fleming was his Brooks. acting debut. This was his very first oh, job. Was Voyager? Right. Yeah. And then his next job was Charmed the next year in two thousand. Yeah. Um, but his big job in in show business was as an assistant to the producer with Casey Silver, who was uh, um, among all the films he produced. He was a big Hollywood big budget feature producer. Hmm. He also ran universal uh, pictures for a while. So he Hmm. was the assistant to Casey silver. Oh, wow. So he mostly did that. I think acting was maybe uh, he was toying with it, but I think he ended up going into that kind of executive world, running running movies and things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We had Joe Mellis as young soldier. Okay. His his very first uh, job was the Lazarus Man in 1986 with Robert Urich. Okay. We had Suzanne's or Susan Savage playing the alien woman that you murdered. <laughs> uh, Susan Savage that Harry murdered. Yes. yes. Or Harry's vision murdered. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Her debut was in 1987, Highway to Heaven, the TV series with Michael Landon. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That was Susan Savage's debut. We have Maria Spassoff as the female colonist. She was looking for a husband, I think. Yeah, she's talking was, to Terrace yeah. at that point, right? Yeah. Maria Spassoff. And yeah. this was also her acting debut. Hmm. 
the only other credit that she had on IMDb was uh, a movie called Strangers Online in 2009. So she didn't do much acting. I'm, I'm not sure what else she did, but this yeah. was her, I guess I would say her biggest credit was right. that, that role. Okay. And uh, we have two more. Robert Allen Calgizi, Calgizi? As the dying colonist. This oh, is his only... You know who that is. That's the the father or the uncle of the woman that I that Harry shot. Was right. that the that was the older? Yeah, the older gentleman. I'm well, guessing. Th- right. This is his only credit. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yes, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Thought he did good. He died good. Um, <laughs> and last but not least, I want to point out a yes. speaking uh, acting role in this episode was done by David, David. Keith Anderson, our, our long-term stand-in. And, and I remember, background oh and, God, yes. I saw that and I was like, he got a line. He, he did, because I, I don't remember and him. He had a one. long close-up too Ooh. when he was feeling the PTSD and Janeway comes over to him. And uh, it wasn't just a line. I mean, he had to be in a, he had to be in a mood. He had to do he some had to be, Yeah. He had yeah. to be, had some, a little bit of, you know, tears in his eyes. I mean, he really, he was uh, great. yeah, he did a good David job. David was awesome. I was excited for him. So good. That. Yeah. All right. That's our actors. Lots of guest stars. Again, we haven't, yeah. we've had this recently a couple of times with a lot of actors you know, mm-hmm. on the show. So, and it continues. Anyhow, all right. We, so we start the episode. We're looking into space, and here comes the Delta Flyer. It does a cool flyby. I love the Delta Flyer out in yeah. space. That was awesome. We come inside, and Harry's not happy. No, he's not happy, but I wasn't happy with my line delivery either what? on that one. Because yeah. I, I think I should have said, you know, someone left a dirty plate in the replicator and then just wait for it. Give it a beat, just a healthy beat. And then Tom, but instead I went, someone left the dish in the replicator, Tom. I, I just threw it out there. I kind of gave oh, away. It. I, yeah. I liked it. I thought it was, you thought it was okay. You could see that, that the four of us are getting a little stir crazy. <laughs> We've been two weeks on this away mission, a two week away yes. mission. Yes. With, with Tom, a malfunctioning sonic shower. So we haven't had a shower in a while either. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, Tom never admits that it was him. So maybe it wasn't Tom. Like, you blame me, but maybe it wasn't Tom. <laughs> maybe it was Chakotay. Maybe it was Neelix. I don't know. But anyway, they're getting on each other's nerves. Yeah. And your hair, by the way, your hair was really it's down, yeah. down. It wasn't clothed at all. I man. liked it. You like it like that? Yeah, okay. I like it. Like all right, loosened, carefree, carefree, fancy free. Yes. Okay. All right. It was good. You should keep that look. Neelix is also there. Chakotay's there. We've been on this two-week mission. We're finally yeah. heading back. And uh, Paris uh, sees Voyager up ahead. He he uh, calls calls them on the uh, comm. He says, uh, 15 planets scanned in 14 days. Mm-hmm. And we've got a cargo overflowing with dilithium ore. So Which is what we need. Been a successful two-week mission. And then we go into the hallway. Yeah. And but the there doctor- is before the hallway, there is a very cool exterior space shot of the Delta flyer kind of banking around going and going into, into the, the shuttle, shuttle bay. bay. Yeah. yeah that like was that cool. Shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we cut to the hall. Yeah. The hall. And there's the, the, the doctor. Greeting, <laughs> the greeting party is there, right? The greeting party, <laughs> which is the doctor and Bellana. 
Um, right. He's waiting. Yeah. You guys do a yeah. lot of smooching right there. I we do. That. I was waiting for you to comment. Smoochy, smoochy. Yes, yeah. a big welcome home kiss. Yeah. There's a lot of elements going on in this scene, and it just yeah. like a lot of movement, but everything choreographed quite well, though. I must, I must, I don't know. Everything choreographed very well, I must yeah. add. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very, it was a lot of people. And I love when Balana comes in. And by the way, we've never seen Tom and Balana this PDA. Like, yes, she rushes into his arms like he's been away at, you know, on, uh, you know, overseas at war or something for <laughs> years. It's like, wow. In fact, I think he does say I should go away more often. Like, this is great. Yeah. Harry's just annoyed. He just wants a he wants a shower. He wants his bed. And the doctor chimes in saying that everyone must have a physical. This is away yeah. team protocol. And he says all crew members must submit to a physical if the mission lasts for more than two weeks, which is now my first point of contention because it didn't last for more than two weeks. It lasted exactly two weeks. You well, see what I'm saying? So there's a little well, that's why maybe we all refuse the everybody's yes, like yes, splits up yes. and heads off a different direction. Mm -hmm. And I just noticed that Bob Picardo was very excited to give everyone physicals. I was like, <laughs> wow, I have never seen the doctor this excited for a basic routine physical. It was funny. It was funny to me. He was sort of left alone there yeah. with like a like a kid waiting yeah. to open his Christmas presents and everybody <laughs> just disappeared. It's like, okay. Yeah. See ya. Oh funny. yeah. Um, we go to Tom and Bolana walking down the the hallway towards his quarters, and they go inside, and she has a surprise for him. It is yes. a television set. Yeah, television set from the fifties. Yeah, but you ask if it's cool. a naughty surprise first. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. It's a TV, a TV, a vintage TV from nineteen fifty six. Yes, yes. I, I love She's, it. She said she replicated the parts, but she assembled it herself. Look at that. That it's That's that she's love. put the love into it. She yep. loves it. She loves Tom, you. Tom's a little critical. He says, you know, this remote is not authentic because they didn't have remotes for TVs in the 50s. Mm -hmm. um, and she says poetic license, which I love. Yes. And then he gives her a kiss, a big thank you kiss. It's very romantic. They're starting to kiss. And then a cartoon comes on. And Tom is more excited about the cartoon than the kiss, which I thought was really sad. <laughs> Poor Tom. Poor Tom. Did you notice the kiss was kind of to, on her corner of her mouth a little bit? I think maybe you were cheating towards camera. You guys were, oh, is that I possible? That. Yeah, maybe. I was like, maybe. Huh, they're not like directly on, like you were off to this yeah. a little bit further over on the corner of her mouth. So I thought maybe that was because you were on purpose trying to cheat towards camera to, to show more of your face, but who knows? Well, um, she was, she was, Bellana was giving Tom lots of kisses. He yeah. seemed more interested in the cartoon. She kept trying to give him kisses. Yeah. He says, Oh, you forgot one thing. She's like, what? And he said, beer, beer. So she goes to get him a beer. She comes back. She's filling him in. She's like climbing and hanging on him. And I remembered this scene when, when they got to that part. Yeah. Because I'm a little claustrophobic. Oh, were a, you feeling that human, way when she... As a human being. Oh, no. And so even though Tom's supposed to be watching the cartoon while yeah. she climbs all over, yeah. I remember filming it and feeling like, oh, my God, I'm having an anxiety attack. Like, Roxanne is... And She's I know that's what the scene is about, you. but yes. I'm just like, I, it's too much closeness. 
So I do remember that. I, f- I feel like I remember like sweating, like a little sweating because yeah. I'm like having an anxiety attack from claustrophobia. Oh, no. It, it was these romantic scenes on TV well, are not not always romantic. No, but also shoot. she hasn't draped herself over you like that in any other scene that you've filmed no. so far. So no. this scene was almost going to the nth degree yeah. in terms of your your canoodling and it was like oh my goodness she's all over lot. you yeah huh. and i know it was for the story i totally and, get it yeah oh but i God. love how you're kind of ignoring her you played it well when you're looking at the tv right and she's joking yeah. with you she's like oh um yeah you didn't miss much the doctor gave a lecture on insects of the delta quadrant mm-hmm. really boring uh, until someone snored and then the warp core overloaded then the borg invaded and we were all simulated and the whole time you're sitting there watching the television and i said to megan i said god robbie looks like a little kid right there and right when i said <laughs> little kid she goes with a beer <laughs> a little kid with a beer right yeah, exactly yeah. uh yeah overall it was a good scene it didn't come off like you had um anxiety over her draping oh, herself over you <laughs> just claustrophobic i just i'm claustrophobic i hear you um she she ends that by saying, you know, maybe this was a bad idea. Right. And then we have a little time passing and she's fallen asleep. Yes. Tom is still watching this television show. It's like uh, a gangster movie it's like or gangster something. Gangster film right? or something. Yeah. And and by the way, all the things that are on the TV, it it felt uh they were vintage like commercials, cartoons, oh, yes. the gangster thing. And I remember as I was watching it. The reason, one of the reasons that they put in those vintage things is because they're cheap, like they're almost yeah. free. Whereas if you if you were to put in a more modern television show or movie or something like that, you have to pay royalties. It's much more expensive. But the old stuff didn't have that kind of thing. So, so all that old okay. stuff was so was then, not only creatively right, but it was financially a smart move. Okay, so that commercial that they showed. Yes. The one where the lady, the, the jingle was mop, mop, don't stop. That mop, mop, don't stop yeah, jingle yeah. commercial. How much do you think they would have paid for something like that? Probably not much at all. I, Less than knows? a grand, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Pennies. So, Whereas if you, you know, get a clip from a famous, more modern movie, it could be tens of thousands of dollars if you could even get it. It's wow. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But um, yeah. So she's falling asleep. He's still watching this gangster show. And then suddenly it turns into like an alien battle. Yeah, a futuristic movie. battle scene is what futuristic it is, right? battle scene, and mm-hmm. and he's like, "That's weird." And he tries to change the channel, like nope. or hit the remote; it's not working. Nope. Um, by the way, in this shot, I did notice my orange background in my room, and I just have to say, <laughs> I pick that color. Yes. With the art department, yes, orange is my favorite color. Yeah. I'm holding up my phone. There's yeah. an orange case. I have yeah. a lot of orange in my life. I was happy to see the orange in there. So. Orange, you glad uh, that you got to pick orange? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, even you getting close to the set doesn't change the channel, doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's still stuck on this. And then you actually see yourself in the battle oh, scene, which is yep. now really freaking you out. Your character gets shot. And next thing you know, you know, you fall back and you're kind of unconscious. We then morph into the, the credits, intro credits scene. But as we come back, you are shot in the arm, you're knocked out. And we basically have Bellana waking you up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's like, well, maybe you, maybe you, uh, you know, need to watch something different. And Tom's like, nope, I'm going to turn it off. So uh, but this is definitely strange. Like there's mm-hmm. no explanation. How can this happen? It's very twilight zone at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, he said, I, I, she said you were dreaming. And even when Tom like looks at the shot that he took in the arm, he's confused because it felt so real. Yeah. Uh, right. What he was a part of. And uh, yeah, she says, I'll, I'll turn on those cartoons. That'll, that'll brighten you up. And I'm like, no, no, no I've no, had enough please. TV. No more TV. That's what TV does to you, boys and girls. Be careful with the yeah. TV. It'll give it, you nightmares. Yes. You even say something about that in, in this scene or the prior scene. About too much TV, TV too much or TV something. Is, yes, yeah, exactly. Which I thought was hilarious because what are we doing? We're, we're making a TV show, right? And in it, yeah. within the show, you're saying how TV's bad. Don't, don't watch, watch TV. TV. <laughs> exactly. So at this point, at the end of this scene, instead of mop, mop, don't stop, Paris is going to say, mop, mop, please stop. You don't please want to see anything else. That's okay. right. Now we have the Jeffrey's tube scene. Yes. Harry is working on a section of the Jeffrey's tube. Either he's running a diagnostic, whatever he's doing, but he starts getting dizzy. He starts. Well, hearing... He's crawling too. He's crawling, which is yeah. going to be important in his vision. Cause yes. You because know, that's sort so of, he's, a fo- yes, it's a foreshadowing, yeah, it's right? A foreshadowing. But, so he's crawling through and he's feeling kind of weird. Yeah. And he gets well, to scanning the thing, the, the section hears some yeah. noises. Doesn't he hear some yeah. noises? Battle sounds and yeah. his vision starts to, to distort, but he does yeah. see the end of the Jeffrey's tube where the, where the, you know, the exit is. And that's when he starts crawling even more. Mm-hmm. And as he gets to the outside of the Jeffrey's tube, he kind of falls up against the bulkhead and he's just sweating profusely. And yeah. he's gone through some crazy, he's crazy experience. Yeah. yeah. He has no idea. Kind of like on. when Bolana was crawling all over <laughs> me and draping me. <laughs> Harry is having his, claustrophobia panic we're, we're like corsican twins whatever you feel i feel yes. it's the same thing so now we're in sick bay and the doctor is examining harry and the doc thinks it's a plain old anxiety attack and mm-hmm. harry says that he's never been claustrophobic before and i made a note that that's funny because i in real life i'm similar to you and that i also am claustrophobic as well mm-hmm. very much so mm-hmm. and the doc says that the reason is you're just overworked and I recommend you to take the next two days off. Harry protests, but in the long run, he does comply with the doctor's recommendations. Mm-hmm. Still not knowing what caused this anxiety and this stress mm-hmm. and hearing these sounds and noises. Now we do jump to mess hall where yep. we have a very jumpy Neelix. Yes, and- very agitated. He's oh chopping vegetables goodness. back in the kitchen. The water kettle hisses. He turns around with a knife. Yeah. He <laughs> holds the knife up. Which is like, what? Okay. I just want to insert a, uh, a question here. This is a Rebecca question. So while we were watching the episode, she, she had me pause. She says, wait a minute. Has Neelix been cooking for the entire ship all these years by himself? She goes, doesn't he have like an assistant? There's 160 people or more on the ship. And he seems to be cutting, cutting up vegetables. Shouldn't he have help? Like, a, And I was like, well, there's like a sous chef and like all these other. Something. Yeah, someone but it's a good point. Like Neelix has, I've never seen anybody helping him cook. He's all always by himself. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Like if I try to make a dinner for a dinner party, you know, or anybody, you try to make a dinner for a dozen people. That's a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. There's 160, 170 people on this ship. What? Anyway, good well, point. Uh, it's a great point. And now that I, now that that question has put everything into perspective for me, I'm going to say that Neelix is the MVP of yes. Voyager. <laughs> for Voyager. Providing, providing all by himself. 150 meals uh, uh, per, per 
you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. So that's for seven that's years. 450 that. meals. That's a lot. That's 450 a lot. meals a day for seven years <laughs> by, by himself. himself. Yes. It's not fair. Poor Neelix. No wonder he's agitated. Yeah. He's scene. very agitated. <laughs> no wonder he's pissed off. He, it wasn't the memorial. Up. It that was that memorial. he's been cooking <laughs> by himself. <laughs> Uh, anyway, shows up. Naomi and shows up. Even yes. her her arrival makes him jump, and she has been assigned a special project by Seven of Nine. Seven of Nine has um, uh, has given her this project to build a tetragon, but she has mm-hmm. to use everyday things and not a replicator. So mm-hmm. she is asking for Neelix's help, and she wants to use vegetables from the the hydroponic garden, I guess. And he says. Yeah. He doesn't have time because he has a lot of work to do. So Naomi says, oh, well, maybe I can help you. And as she walks into the kitchen and she grabs a hold of a pot lid handle and she burns her hand very quickly and she's like, ouch. And immediately. But she just like, touches it. She's like, barely, ouch, yeah, like exactly. it was hot. Yeah, and even fine. she says, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he freaks he out. He freaks out, exactly what I wrote. Yeah. He says, stay, get down, stay behind me. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, no one knows what's happening. Sick bay. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then he, he sees some crewman uh, enter the mess yeah. hall. And he, that's when he goes, duck, duck down. Get down and he's down. got his knife out yeah. still. Yeah. He's like freaking out. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very disturbing yeah it's really like it just looks that way yeah it was very much just the way this was shot and how it developed it, it was like a horror movie really this yeah. whole thing right yeah. um the next we have a we actually have a battle scene and the, the chaos and the craziness is happening and it turns out that this is chakotay's dream he's dreaming it and it's so real the only thing that shakes him out of this dream is that um tuvok hails Chakotay, which yeah. wakes him from his nightmare. So we have a shot of Chakotay in his bed, in his quarters, kind of waking up very quickly, hearing Tuvok tell him that there's a security breach in the mess hall, which of course is Neelix's crazy um, situation happening. And mm-hmm. we head back to mess hall and Neelix is still experiencing his hallucination of battle. He's holding Naomi tightly against him. Like he's now he's holding, holding a, her like a hostage. Like a hostage, exactly. Yeah. And she's She's really concerned. Tuvok's there. Neelix is firing his phaser. Oh, yeah. He doesn't Tuvok. have the knife anymore. He's got the phaser out. He's got a phaser. Yeah. He's firing a phaser. Um, Chakotay comes in, orders him to uh, release Naomi. Um, and then Neelix says something like, not until Savdra calls off his attack. Right. I was right. like, wait, what? Yes, yes. Clearly, and, so now we're getting names of people in these memories and these dreams. Yeah. Savdra, the first time we've heard of Savdra. Unfamiliar names. We have no yeah. clue about. Tuvok's strategy that mm-hmm. he tells to Chakotay is that let's come up with some type of distraction. There's a back door. We can sort of you know overpower him. Chakotay doesn't want to have any any bit of that. He's like, no, no, no. I've got a different plan. I'm going to try something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he pulls upon his dream <laughs> and he says, yeah. Savdra has called a ceasefire. The battle is over well how come i still hear weapons fire oh just random soldiers celebrating that's it you know and that does the trick that that actually releases naomi but what i found was interesting is as soon as he releases naomi they go over and help naomi he's still got neelix still has the phaser he does like pointed in their direction and they're complete they approach completely defenseless and i was like Tuvok would not let this happen. Like you've yeah. got somebody who's acted crazy with a weapon pointed at you still. Right. I don't know. It, it, it seemed like a very quick wrap up to this hostage 
situation. And then the next thing that happens is Neelix drops his phaser, runs over to Chakotay's arms. He like collapses in Chakotay's arms and they sort of exit Chakotay holding Neelix. Yeah. Like the I two. Chakotay, yeah, he doesn't drop the phaser. He hands, uh, Chakotay takes it from his hand. He hands it. It, yeah. he hands it to another security guy and he, yeah, that's what happens. So, and then Neelix just, he's just exhausted from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So now we're in sick bay and the doctor has given Neelix a sedative. Mm-hmm. He tells Janeway and Chakotay that Neelix has been suffering from a form of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Chakotay mm-hmm. says that he dreamed of fighting in an alien war and the same war that Neelix seems to be reliving. Mm-hmm. The doctor mentions that Harry had come in earlier dealing with an anxiety attack and Janeway then starts to ask if they ran into any trouble during the away mission. Chakotay says, no, that didn't happen. And the doctor says that Chakotay's engrammatic activities contradict that. His memories are real memories. They're not dreams or hallucinations. Mm. They're real. And Janeway says to Chakotay that maybe he was abducted and manipulated into fighting. And Janeway says that we have to retrace the mission, all the steps that the mission took and mm-hmm. where they went, who they interacted with. She Go asked through the, the sensor doctor, logs yeah, of the, the Delta logs. flyers. Yep. She asked the doctor to revive Neelix. And she says that each of you seems to hold a piece of the puzzle. Let's see if we can start putting them together. Which Speaking of putting us- them together. Mm-hmm. So Alan Craker shot this entire scene in a wonder. That was a wonder. Yes. And I was like, holy, holy, cow. yeah, <laughs> like coming up off of Neelix into the yeah. doctor and then yeah. Janeway and then moving yeah. around. And it was one shot, yeah, beautifully staged, beautifully yeah. shot. It yeah. had lots of different feeling moments in it. It wasn't yeah. a static shot. It was very active. And I was just thinking like Alan had a, had a, an instinct for these kinds of shots, but he couldn't have done it unless all of us were willing to play like, you know what I mean? Like I agree. He could not have Marvin and Alan always got excited about these sort of wonders with movement, but I really want to give some credit to our cast too. Yeah. Like looking in that scene, you know, if Kate had not made the move she made, if, if Bob had not moved the way that he moved around the, the bio bed, yeah. the shot would have fallen apart. You would have yeah. had to have done coverage, right? you know, close ups and things to make it work. So our cast, I thought, was really good at that, uh, playing with Alan in in making his ideas come to life and making them work in these one oneer shots. He does it a lot in this episode, by the way. We go to the briefing room next. Chakotay, Paris, Kim, and Neelix are there. They are discussing their memories with Janeway. The doctor's there. They each are recalling different parts of... They're starting to put their memories together and piece together the missing parts for each other. Yeah. In fact, at one point... Neelix even says the the Naka, the Nakana. And then Harry goes, the Nakan. And I thought, oh, it was a warp particles moment. I thought you and Neelix could have had a warp. We, you could have gone, the Nakan together. <laughs> we could have. I, that would have been great. That was our warp particles moment. It, it was. was. It was yeah. It's just interesting because this whole scene and then the subsequent scenes, because we jump back and forth between the mm-hmm. battle, the real life battle, and then the briefing room back to the mm-hmm. battle, back to the briefing room. And every time we jump to the briefing room, 
these lines, just how they're just flowing out. It just, it was very theatrical to me. It was very much like a stage play for me yeah. at, at this point. You know, it wasn't. I loved it. I loved, I, I loved it, it too. I did. I did. But it wasn't our standard fair. Do you, do you agree with me? I mean, typically yeah. when we're in the briefing room, it doesn't, it, the energy and the movement and everything and the, the way the lines are, it's not like this. It's not like yeah. this episode. It's definitely very different. Yeah. Um, and very cool though. Yeah. We lo- we learned that uh, they were called the Nikon, that mm-hmm. we had all volunteered for this military assignment to evacuate a civilian population. Mm-hmm. We recall that Savdra was the commander of this unit mm-hmm. in this scene. And- yeah. I just, I, th- I thought this was, everybody was adding, you know, I think what you're talking about is that we were all piecing together different parts and kind of reminding each other of these buried memories. And so it really had a team effort kind of feel to it in a way that it doesn't always. It did. And what's interesting is that I feel like we were each remembering a memory of a different soldier. Yeah, that's correct. You know, because I I know later I'm, I'm jumping the gun, but there that, the memorial has been there for hundreds of years. So it's sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. losing its power. But I felt like, is that what it is? Like it just assigns you one random soldier or do you play the roles of every single soldier throughout, you know, your experience mm-hmm. of, of listening to this? But at least in this early parts of this episode, it seems like everyone is a specific soldier because there's, yeah. there's even in these scenes in the briefing room, there's, you know, somebody will say like, well, it wasn't our fault. And someone else will say, well, it definitely was. We, we, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't justify murder. So there's a lot of this going back and forth where there's arguing amongst the soldiers themselves, yeah. it seems like, right. Yeah. Did you yeah. get that as well? Did yeah, totally. Like- okay. Yeah. I felt like every, each of us had a different, a different version of guilt or yes. trauma. Yes. You know, each of us had a different version. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we do out of the, this uh, briefing room scene flash back to the battle again. Savdra is giving orders to round up all the civilians and relocate them. And he says at this point, this is before the battle begins. Right. We're in the command post at this point. Yes. We're inside a tent. <laughs> exactly. And uh, he says he doesn't want any casualties on either side. So it sounds legit right yeah. now. I love Neelix at the end when Savdra finishes. Neelix is like, Aye, aye, sir. It's very, it's like, it doesn't sound like Ethan Phillips or Neelix. It's like very military. I love that. Aye, aye, sir. It is. So we go back out of that moment in back to the briefing room. Yep. We're still talking them through, talking Janeway and the doctor through the events that happened. And we tell them that we're rounding up, that we rounded up the Nikon, got them all, got all of them ready for transport. Until we got to the last enclosure mm-hmm. and we realized there were 24 unaccounted for. Yeah. It was, it was empty. an empty enclosure. Empty enclosure. And and we say, you know, we should have known something was wrong then. And so this scene in the briefing room again is a oneer, this yeah. long one shot that's yeah. all connected. Yeah. And then when you go to the battle or the tent or all those things, right. it's all chaos and handheld. I think that was very intentional by Alan to create these different visual styles between yeah. the remembering part that was all fluid in one mm-hmm. long shot mm-hmm. and then the jumpy chaotic battle so i, I just, again i thought alan did a great job it sure worked yeah. it definitely worked so we're in the enclosure now again and chakotay calls mm-hmm. in the base the colonists are ready for transport one um female colonist comes up to paris's character and says that her husband's missing 
he tells her not to worry and that she'll be on one of the transport. And all of a sudden um, we hear weapons fire and they immediately think they're under attack. Yeah. And all hell. Breaks. This is where the battle begins yeah. in the memory. Uh, we go back to the briefing room. Another yeah. one mm-hmm. Paris says that it was the missing colonists, the 24 colonists that were unaccounted for. They fired the first shots. Yep. Chakotay argues that you can't know that for sure. It could have been one of our own soldiers, fatigue, phaser malfunction. It could be anything. And mm-hmm. Neelix says, well, you know what? Either way, it doesn't justify what we did. And Janeway grabs Neelix and says, what did you do? What happened mm-hmm. down there? And, and then uh, we go back to the battle. Back. Yeah, the battle. So it's yeah. intercutting back and <laughs> yeah. forth between us telling the story and seeing it. Um, right. We're back in the battle. There's shots fired everywhere. Yeah. People it start is, running. And yeah. this it's is when massacre. you see, yeah, it's mass, but this is when the massacre begins. This is when you start seeing colonists mm-hmm. getting shot. Did you notice that one of the background actors that is featured shooting at the colonists is actually our hair department personnel, Charlotte's son? Oh, yes, I remember him. Yes, tall, I forgot tall, he was in. Kid. Yeah, yeah, I forgot he was, he was in, in Fair, this He was in the Fairhaven stuff with us. He was, he's been a Borg before. And in this episode, yeah. he's one of the soldiers. Charlotte, who worked a lot on Jerry Ryan's hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was her son, her adult son that was in mm-hmm. this episode as a background character. We go back to the briefing room and Harry is very emotional. Oh my goodness. He's um, really emotional at this he's point. He's reliving it vividly. Uh, vividly. He said we didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. He said that so I, I ran. I ran. I had to get out of there. Yeah. And as he's describing this and reliving it, we go back to the caves. There's Harry crawling yeah. through a tight, very tight squeeze cave. Yeah. Um, he gets and- into this opening yeah. And before finds- you continue with the opening, I just want to yeah. say that in the prior scene, the prior briefing room scene, Neelix does say that he tried to protect the children, but he couldn't mm-hmm. stop them. So that now kind of refers back to the scene with Naomi, like he's yeah. holding her so closely. So that's right. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway. So, yeah, when Harry, we cut to his memory, Harry's crawling through this tight cave and then he finds an opening and there's this camp set up. It looks like there's, yeah. there's, uh, you know, a, kettle a hot kettle mm-hmm. um so harry touches the kettle it's warm um he knows that someone's around eventually he goes over to these big boxes that are stacked up and yeah. he hears uh, knocks, a noise though he hears a noise yeah. knocks the boxes over and reveals yeah. a man a man a woman and an older man mm-hmm. uh, like they're hiding father. behind those containers yeah hiding behind the containers mm-hmm. uh harry says how do i get out of here yeah well, that's all he yeah. wants. He says, look, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm not going to do anything. Just, just tell me how to get out of this maze that you've, mm-hmm. you've, um, uh, that, 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 and I love how she's like, she's like, just go back from where you came from. And I thought that was all that she was going to say, but then she added more instructions mm-hmm. when I thought that's mm-hmm. pretty funny. But, um, I do remember crawling <laughs> through that. Uh, it was just, I kept thinking about all the cats that were on that stage Oh the, yeah, there the, were a the, lot of wild, feral, feral, wild, feral cats yes. that lived. Yes, and yeah. I kept thinking, I don't know how, if I'm gonna get some type of, you know, inhale. I, I I could be poisoned from just crawling through this. It was not the the most sanitary no. environment because the, no. the cave set had a lot of dirt on the floor constantly, yeah. Yeah. and the cats would go pee in the set, pee, poop, and whatever poop. they were gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and we we discover those things yeah. uh very often, quite often. Right. So 
And I had to yeah. do it twice. I had to do it as the soldier in the memory. And then later in the episode, mm-hmm. I had to again crawl through that that uh, muck. But there's the crawling back, back to the the um, Jeffrey's tube. Yes, it sort is. of echoes that's right. that, that that's trigger right. for him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she she doesn't trust Harry at first, but she ultimately tells him how to get out. Yeah. She gives him the escape. Yeah. And then he see, it's like, well, he's Harry walking. sees the, yeah. He's walking away, but he sees the man reach for something no, or move. He falls. And... He stumbles forward is what it oh, is. Oh, is that and what the, it is? And the minute he makes that stumble, it looks like a quick move to grab a weapon. So that's when Harry comes back and takes them both out. He panics. He, he panics. panics. He shoots he really the guy. Mm-hmm. He shoots them in cold blood, basically. Yeah. freaks out. Yeah. And then we cut back to the briefing room and Harry is is uh, also yelling, freaking out. Yeah. Freaking out. Yeah. He was going to kill me. Yes. Why? They wouldn't listen. Why? Why wouldn't they listen? And then Tom comes over to easy Harry and kind of helps calm mm-hmm. Harry down. The doctor also is there. Uh, but I, you know, I was watching that and I thought that wasn't enough. I felt like I could have gotten right. more here. I felt like I, I, I maybe I could it have was had a- more flailing of my arms and just, um yeah i i felt like I it was know. no I if felt, you're okay with it that's I fine think, i felt it was i think i think I everybody it. really let loose from okay. janeway to chakotay to yeah. neelix to you and to Paris, you too, I, later I, yeah oh later God, on let it go loses yeah. it okay so you had no issue with the the no. level that i hit there no. you didn't think it no. was too subdued no i didn't okay i didn't i thought it was great chakotay says in the scene that that ultimately 82 civilians were killed no one was left alive none of these uh colonists colonists that we were supposed to evacuate none of them survived all right so next we have an exterior space shot of voyager traveling through space there is a captain's log supplemental we have now entered the system where the away team conducted its recent survey hoping to find an explanation for their memories of the nakan massacre Mm -hmm. now we're in paris's quarters paris is sleeping that's a tight shot profile of him in the foreground there, but very agitated, not sleeping. He's trying to rest, I guess. He's just, but his mind is racing. Bellana comes in. She says, I missed your breakfast. And uh, she says that she downloaded more episodes of The Untouchables for him to watch. Yes. I love when she says, uh, this is the one where they capture Al Capone. It's like, oh, Roxanne See? nailed it. Yeah, but this, again, this is the lightness, the levity that I was talking yeah. about. These little tiny, funny, cute it's moments. Little... Al Capone was the cuteness right there. Yeah. And then poof, right out the window. Yeah, right Paris corrects her. It's Al Capone. Yeah. Uh, very funny moment. I love uh-huh. that Roxanne got some punchlines because she doesn't she normally get the comedy in, in no. the show. Mm-mm. And so I love that they handed her some jokes, but he, he says he wants to be alone. He doesn't want to be comforted. He's super, super guilty. Um, you know, she, she says maybe his memory was tampered with and he defends it. He says, I know what I re- I, I know what I remember. Yeah. I know what happened. Yeah. And she says, we haven't even analyzed the sensor logs. He can't think of sensor logs. He says, my, my big takeaway in the scene is, Paris freaks the heck out like big time. <laughs> I don't know if I ever yelled so loudly in the series as I, this. No, you haven't. And I wrote no. that down. I said, this is the loudest that Paris has ever yelled. Um, the other loud yelling mm. time was in the episode Alice, 
But on a scale from one to 10, your yelling on Alice was about an eight or nine. Your yelling on here was 12. It was off the scale. It didn't even, it was was completely off the scale. Lots of yelling. Oh my God. As I watched it, I love seeing Paris get out of patterns that he's often in. Mm -hmm. And uh, as an actor, I felt like it was all authentic and motivated. It was big. But it was uh, it was fun to you know my memory as I watched the scene was that was an intense scene but it was fun to do like, yeah I enjoyed the process of of playing out that scene it yeah was you, sad, got to, you got scary. to act was, you got to act yeah, you had a yeah. full range of emotions and yeah. and also anyone watching this scene between you and Torres who cannot relate to this scene where I think everyone yeah. has had an interaction with a loved one or a family member where they're just trying to help. And then yeah. what do they get back in return? A bunch of screaming and yelling and just, yeah. you know, it, it's such, it's such a, a resonating scene for me. And yeah. I'm sure other people have experienced things like this too. But yeah. again, you're right. This is the loudest Paris has ever, <laughs> ever been. I Lots hope your vocal yelling. cords were okay after that. I think they were. I think okay. I was okay. All right. We go to Astrometrics next. Yeah. And Seven is reviewing all the uh, away mission logs, uh, sensor logs. And here we go. Right off the bat, there is a little bit of a flirtiness between Chakotay and Janeway. You know, oh my Janeway, gosh. Did yeah. you see that? Of course. I mean, it's very Huge. clear. And again, this is this furthers my theory of this whole episode is filled with cute little moments and little fun, funny moments. And this one's a cute, romantic, flirty moment for all the JC shippers out there. And then it just all goes to crap right after right afterwards. Because mm-hmm. they're joking about the fact that, um, you know, there's a certain uh, merchant Base. that they came across, yes. you know, and Janeway goes, oh, quite photogenic, isn't he? And yeah. Very photogenic, (laughs) sarcastic. And then uh, he had Uh, a formula that would stop them from aging. And she's like, You didn't happen to buy any of it, did did you? Yeah. Touching him and 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 smiling. Well, you know, it turned out to be this type of compound. It would have been good for shoe polish, but that's about it. So there's a little Mm -hmm. lightness and flirtiness. And then Seven shows an image of the second stop they had on the away mission, which is this kind of off greenish color planet. And immediately Kate's face goes from light, happy, effervescent to dark. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it just changes in a split second. Mm -hmm. And she immediately recognizes this planet and immediately goes into a reliving a memory of one of the soldiers. And she says, this is Tarakis, which is interesting because it's pronounced different ways in this episode. Janeway says Tarakis. Later, Paris, when we actually come upon the planet and we see it on the view screen, says Tarakis. So you have Tarakis. She has Tarakis. So it's tomato and tomato in this scene. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she is now feeling everything that's going on. She's having the kind of memory, the living memory, the dream like we had. Right. She's now in battle. She's in the middle of battle. flashes to her in the middle of battle. Mm -hmm. Chakotay's there. She hears shots. She runs over and she finds a soldier vaporizing one of the dead colonists. Yeah, they're they're, they're actually in a ditch. They're about, yeah, one by one, right? They've all been laid out. And they've all been laid out, the dead bodies. They're vaporizing them. She tries to stop it. She's yelling like Paris was. And she got so mad. She's like, you can't do this. We Mm -hmm. we can just tell the command command what happened here. They'll understand that it was a mistake, that we lost Mm -hmm. it. And they were like, nope, nope, we're covering this up. So it says we weren't even here. Yeah. We didn't, even, uh, yeah. we didn't even see them. They we didn't weren't see them here. All. Yeah, just yeah. We covered. disabled their shield generators, entered the colony, and nobody was there. Stick to the story. Exactly. So they're covering the whole thing up, vaporizing mm-hmm. the bodies, mm-hmm. 
And then uh, we cut to mess hall and Janeway jumps up awake from yeah. her hallucination. Yeah. The doctor's there, Tuvok's there. Mm -hmm. She asks how long she's been out. The doctor says three hours. And mm -hmm. Mess Hall's now no longer Mess Hall. This is overflow for sickbay. And mm -hmm. Tuvok tells her, Captain, the whole crew has been affected. So everybody is experiencing these same hallucinations, these nightmares, these horrible scenes of battle now, and death. I have, I have a question. Yeah. This is a logical question. Mm. When we went on our two-week-away mission, yes. we, as we returned, we were fine. We've right. been to that planet on day two, because when Seven's going through, they started here, they went there, and then the next day they were at this planet. So right. day two, we were at the planet. 12 more days go by, we don't have any symptoms. Yeah. But yet they get anywhere near this planet and the whole ship starts immediately, like literally, Janeway just looks at a picture of the planet and she has the symptoms. Something's a little not consistent. In I got that. you covered. Like, why did Why did it take us twelve days? I got you covered. Okay. okay. So that beacon, that memorial, which is transmitting these images for people to mm -hmm. relive, it's three hundred years old. Okay. So, and we already know at the end it's faulty. It's kind of malfunctioning. We have to repair it. And so, basically, whatever transmission it sent to us was very weak. It took 14 days for it to manifest. But, but then, then when we got closer, it, it got, had a surge. Yeah. yeah and some, some okay. short, something okay. happened. Right. And then it All became right. much as long as more we have a yeah. explanation. I, I was explain. like, why is this happening so fast? I'm going to be the okay. debunker for you on okay. this uh, podcast. I'm going to debunk right. everything. So that's going to be my explanation for that, which is possible. Um, right. I mean, you, you could buy that. Yeah. Okay. So, the the mess hall is filled with the crew members that are having this PTSD mm -hmm. and the doctor says, we need to get out of here. He says we and should reverse course. We should reverse course, yeah. leave this area. Hopefully everyone will be better. Janeway says, um, we, we need to know if we were really part of this, if this was real yeah. or if this is just an implanted memory. She needs to know. Yeah. So she says, set a course for Taracus. Yeah. And then the, at the end of the scene, the doctor gives her a neural suppressant uh, to try to subdue these uh, memories, hallucinations, and memories. Mm -hmm. Oh, and um, also we also have see David with his lines too. So we see David there yeah. <laughs> with ensign, with the ensign. I don't think he gets a name other than ensign, no, right? She's no. like ensign. I've seen you look better than this, and we'll get through this. He's like, yes, ma'am. So he's he had a nice nice little moment there and yeah, good screen time nice. for David. And I'm so proud of him and happy that he got that chance because a lot of times I don't remember anyone from background getting lines, but here we go. No, we have very a shot rare. right now. Yep. We do stay in the mess hall. We see Seven yep. bring Neelix a snack. It's yep. one of his favorites, Talaxian stew and Terranut souffle. Mm -hmm. And Seven says, when Naomi is sad that she consumes desserts, maybe you should try that. <laughs> it's like, which I, I, another funny line. There are funny like, moments. But am right. I right? See, everything yeah. starts like, ha, 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 and then goes, wah, yeah. wah, blah, right? Neelix feels really guilty about Naomi that he, you know, traumatized her. Yeah. He asked Seven when she was a Borg that she assimilated millions of people. Does she feel shame from this? Right. And she says uh, that, yes, she feels remorse, but her remorse uh, helps her not repeat what she did before prevents her from repeating it yeah and that to me was like oh that makes a lot of sense yeah. she even says about shame or remorse that it can be difficult but also very useful and neelix says yes it certainly is difficult and then he looks over at that terranut souffle and he goes 
is that chocolate? <laughs> she says, yes, I improvised. <laughs> she altered it or something. And he reaches over and takes a bite of the Terranote souffle, which, by the way, he's wearing dentures. You know, those are fake <laughs> Talaxian teeth. So I was thinking about Ethan eating the food and going, oh, that must have been just messy in his mouth because he's got dentures and then some yeah. kind of food. They chocolate. probably, yeah, they probably would have had to take those dentures out, clean like, them, brush, you know, them, brush yeah. them good, get all the gunk off of take there. Two. <laughs> yeah. And do it again. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so you know, it just one little quick talk with seven and, and he's, he's a little bit more of himself. You know, he's yeah. able to notice that there's chocolate in the souffle. <laughs> and now we have an exterior space shot of Voyager approaching Taracus or Taracus, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> And now we're on the bridge. Yeah, they're approaching the planet. Uh, they scan for vessels. There's no sign of vessels. She says, take us into orbit. And Paris goes, ma'am. <laughs> now he says, ma'am? Ma'am? He didn't say yes, ma'am. He no. said, ma'am? Yeah, he, he, so, that's, that's where something's up. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, do it. She's got her angry voice. But uh, I'll yeah. take away that TV from you. Mr. Yeah. Paris. Yeah. So Voyager goes into orbit. We have a planet shot. Very pretty planet. Looks it green. Is. It looks very lush. Mm -hmm. Unlike the battle look that it had, which was pretty scary. Yeah. The bridge says no life signs, uh, no weapons residue, no snow, you know, evidence of this battle that happening mm -hmm. here. Harry looks at the sensors. By the way, when you're looking at the sensors, the shot was from the side. You were leaning way over, like much more than I normally did. Do you remember if they... If Alan said, like, can you play that lower or lean into it? I don't know. For some yeah. reason, I was like, oh, that's a little different than usual. Yeah, I think he did. I think he did yeah. make that direction. He was like, just gonna, just for the shot, do you mind, you know, doing something a little awkward? And, you know, we all love Alan Craker, so we will do awkward things for yeah, him. We, so yes, we <laughs> I'll, do. I'll twist my body the wrong angle, degree, yeah. and, and yeah, feel it looked like... a little, yeah, it looked a little dirty. You weren't standing up the normal. No, yeah. Good catch. Way. Good catch, Robbie. But you do find a power signature yes. on the planet. You locate yeah. it, you find this power signature. So there must be something down there. Northern continent, I think, mm -hmm. of this planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We go to the hallway now, and there's an Ocean's Eleven shot. It's yes. like the heroes walking. <laughs> it should have been in slow motion. It should have been. Come around oh, the corner. No. All heroic, pulling the weapons out. We're ready for battle. Oh, my God. Gosh, get onto it. the transporter pad. Yeah, checking the weapons. Janeway says, Phaser rifles, phasers. Everybody <laughs> checks their phasers. We're pretty right. cool. We're pretty badass. I hit thing. a button on top of my phaser rifle. I know they, add, they added the sound in post. Like a little click, yeah, or little click, yeah. yeah. It was just powering up. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool shot right there. I agree. We beam down to the planet. It's a very lush, beautiful green planet. Yeah, I remembered filming this stuff. As when I saw this, we were yeah. out at the Disney ranch. Yeah. We shot out at the Disney ranch, which is out near Santa Clarita, maybe, or somewhere yeah. out in that direction. Right. My very first TV, you know, broadcast TV show was the Twilight Zone in around 1984 or something. And you filmed it um, there. We filmed it there. Oh yeah. my God. We filmed at the Disney ranch. It's like a homecoming for you. In fact, <laughs> when we were filming at the Disney ranch, Twilight Zone was premiering that year. Yeah. We're filming our episode, another show called Amazing Stories. I remember very that. Very similar yes. show. Steven Spielberg was producing that yes. show. They were filming <clears throat> on the Disney Ranch that day, and Clint Eastwood was directing that episode. Oh, wow. That TV episode of Amazing Stories. And I remember they wrapped me a little early for lunch, and there was this was before cell phones. 
there was one payphone on the Disney Ranch lot. Oh my God. And so the driver took me back towards base camp to the trailers. And I went to the payphone to call my my girlfriend back in New York City where I lived. And uh what? Yeah, I went to the payphone. Oh, oh this is uh, <laughs> at sorry. This is You're talking about Twilight when you were Zone. filming. Okay. I thought I was like Twilight your girlfriend. What? Okay, no. gotcha. When yeah. I was 1984, yeah. I'm I'm living in New York, yeah, going to school. I'm right, still at right. Juilliard. You're at Juilliard. This is before you got married. I come okay. out, yeah, come out to do this Twilight Zone episode. First time in California. I'm filming on the Disney ranch. Yeah. Amazing stories there, Clint Eastwood. It's very Hollywood feeling. Yeah. To me, it was I was overwhelmed. So I, I go back to use my calling card. Remember, you used to have yes. to punch, <laughs> you had to punch in like one eight hundred, and then you had to put in your code, and then the number you want to dial. It was like all these numbers you put in. Yeah. I use my my long distance card to call the from the one payphone. Yeah. And I'm talking for a while, filling her in, and how exciting. And I notice a line starting to form <laughs> behind me for the one payphone, and i'm yeah. like oh honey i should i gotta I should go probably let i gotta yeah. let people you know we're i think we're broken for lunch i gotta let people and i um and i hang up i turn around and it wasn't our crew it was the amazing stories crew oh god and steven spielberg was standing in at the front of the line waiting to use the phone waiting to use the payphone <laughs> at that same location where we filmed this episode that was <laughs> And I turned around, he had the hat on, he was kind of short. And I was like, oh my God, it's Steven Spielberg. Cause they broke for lunch and it was their crew. And since he was Steven Spielberg, he was up front waiting for the payphone Cause that's what you did. Oh my no God. cell phone. Payphone. I thought you were going to tell me that it was Clint Eastwood. No. And that he was waiting and then never saw you didn't want to give up the I... phone. And he was like, you're feeling lucky today, punk. And he was getting all like a dirty hairy on you. But no, and Steven was very was nice. He was like, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> And because he must it. have heard me say, oh, there's a line, you know. So. Yeah. And it's well, I'm glad that you brought up the location because I was going to ask you if that was Griffith Park, but nope. it's not Griffith Park. It that was, was the Disney, Disney Ranch. Disney. Yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a, you know, at conventions, we bring various photos to sign. Mm -hmm. And there is a photo that I have of you and me holding our phaser rifles up in the air and smiling like a funny smile with the same background actor that loads onto the transporter pad with us. Oh. Yeah. So it's the, you and I and the background actor holding our, our, our guns up and we're like our phaser rifles. And we're like making this funny face. And for the longest time I was like, gosh, I wonder what episode this is from. And now I know it's from Memorial. Now you know. So, yeah, Memorial. Cause we did some, oh, yeah. yeah. Cause you know, we always have a set photographer that would show up for one to three days of our seven day filming yeah. schedule. And that day when we went to the Disney, what's it called again? The Disney ranch. ranch. It's yeah. the Disney ranch yes. film studio. On that day, when we went to Disney ranch, the set photographer did join us on that day mm -hmm. and i asked him if it's okay if we posed a funny photo and i grabbed you i go robbie robbie and i grabbed the background guy and i said hey let's all take our phasers and tilt them the same angle and, and have a funny laugh on our face a look on mm -hmm. our face and he took that photo that was the episode yeah, that was the one that's from that that's episode funny mm -hmm. that's funny okay yeah it was a beautiful planet great location disney ranch janeway says search the area we're kind of going through harry's kind of leading uh this part of it he's leading the way he remembers where the tunnel he remembers the tunnel mm -hmm. so he's trying to find his way towards the tunnel janeway and chakotay uh are scanning uh, janeway detects a faint signature mm -hmm. so they go off on their own we go back to harry's group we do find the tunnel entrance paris says tuvok there's your physical evidence because Tuvok's been skeptical. So I had your back on this. I'm like, Harry proved it. 
So I thought that was <laughs> thank you for having nice my point. back. Do you also yeah. remember how heavy those phaser rifles were? They were pretty heavy. Like they were yeah. not made of balsa wood. They were made of no. like the hardest wood known to mankind, the most dense, heavy wood that they could possibly find. And I remember yeah. taking off my wardrobe at the end of that day, and there was an indentation of where the strap oh, really? was on my skin. And I was like, wow. that's not even funny. I was like, you guys can't find some type of fiberglass to make this out of. And instead of this very weighty- They were heavy. Of, yeah. yeah, so heavy. And I was shocked to see that I had that, you know, strap that's, indent that's in my skin. Yeah. So we're climbing in the tunnels. We go into the tunnel. We cut over to Janeway. She's scanning a little deeper in the, in the woods. Uh, inside the tunnel, Harry's crawling where we saw him crawl before. Same so place. Back at the same place. He's panicking. Tuvok says, take some deep breaths. Yeah. Harry Which... pauses for a minute. He does. He calms down. He yeah. moves forward. We get back to this opening. Yeah. The same kettle. All the things yeah. are there. Cobwebs but now, now. Cobwebs. Heavy yeah. cobwebs. Clearly, yeah. this did not happen two weeks ago. We know that, yeah. right? And, and we even cobwebs do. Cobwebs are spiders. So they have spiders yeah. on this planet. Of course, there's well, alien spiders. Yeah, spiders. Okay, <laughs> spiders. Okay. But Harry be... <laughs> goes in, he points to the corner. He says, that's where that's where they were. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok goes over. He finds the skeletal remains. Yeah. He and the same wardrobe them. is sitting on the ground where the yeah. clothing was too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Tuvok scans the skeletons and he turns to Harry. He said, you are not responsible for their deaths. Yes. And in that moment, I was like, how does he know that? And then he goes, these skeletons are over 300 years old. Correct. You couldn't have been here. Yeah. There's so no there's no way. Smart. Unless was... we jumped through a, some type of time warp. You time know, warp? Only, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with it wasn't us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, outside Janeway and Chakotay come out to this open field. They see this giant monument, which I remember the set piece was only that bottom pedestal it was maybe 10 12 feet high right the rest was all cgi have, yeah it was they, all they put that in effect. post but didn't yep. it also i'm gonna i made the note after that many years would there really be a clearing like that <laughs> you know what I'm saying? i mean there's no there's no one's lived there for hundreds of years that that beacon that monument should have been covered in vines and just, it should have been completely overgrown at that point i thought maybe interesting Maybe yeah, they put nothing. down some uh, some weed killer that kind of lasted weed killer, for yeah, some centuries. <laughs> they just did a bunch of roundup around roundup deluxe, roundup yeah. extra strength round delta quadrant, delta round quadrant roundup killed all the vines. It's good, good for three hundred years. Good for three. Good for three hundred years or your money back, mm -hmm. right? Now I can hear that fifty jingle mop <laughs> mop. Don't stop. So all right. Let's continue. But they do find this. She scans it. She said, I think we found our war. Go to Astrometrics. Seven's explaining that this structure contains a synaptic generator, powerful enough to permeate the entire star system that the planet is in with neurogenic impulses. Yeah. So that anybody that comes near here will experience the massacre. Yeah, um, a very this, this huge sci-fi concept here. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> a synaptic transmitter. Right, but it puts it transmits uh, visions of this massacre into the minds of anybody within range, and... as if it was their real memory. Yes, mm. yeah, as if it was their own memories, and they remember it as if they were, you know, a part of it. Yeah, um, such a crazy concept, but and cool. and then they yeah, very cool. And then they read the inscription. I wrote this down because I love. Oh yeah, yeah. Read it. Read that Chicote reads. Mm -hmm. He uh, he scans the alien writing uh, and or has seven seven do it. Yeah, seven translates uses the translator uh, matrix, 
and uh, interprets what's written on this memorial and Chicote reads it. And it says, words alone cannot convey the suffering. Words alone cannot prevent what happened here from happening again. Beyond words lies experience. Beyond experience lies truth. Mm. Make this truth your own. I love that. Super poetic. Whoever wrote Super that cool. idea yeah. in that way is yeah. just really powerful. Well, Robin and Berger. Robin Berger wrote it in that way. So it was good job. Really, really cool. Very powerful. Um, and I like yeah. how it. I like how it showed up on the screen. Like it was the yeah. the crawl in the original Star Wars movie of all the letters coming yeah. on, basically. But yes, very very emotional, very moving. Yeah, they realized the memorial's over two hundred years old, and that it's deteriorating, and that is why their memories are so fragmented. Right. And Chakotay wants to shut it down. Yeah. But Janeway seems very distracted here. She's like thinking. She's got another idea. Clearly, we yeah. don't know exactly what. That's when we cut to mess hall at that we point? We cut to the briefing yeah. room. The briefing, briefing room, excuse room. me. Yep, I wrote down. Go to the briefing room. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, we are arguing about what to do. Yeah. Basically, Neelix says we do not have the right to deactivate the transmitter. If we do, it destroys all the evidence. And we are no better than Commander Savdra in trying to, you know, enact this cover up. Mm -hmm. And Janeway is kind of, you know, as we're all debating this, Janeway's off to the side and so all of a sudden she silently makes this decision and she says, nope, we're not going to shut down the memorial. Um, the 82 colonists who died here, they deserve their memorial. And Janeway mm -hmm. suggests that we repair it, recharge the power cells and make sure that it lasts for another 400 years. And we're going to go ahead and place a warning buoy in orbit so that anyone who enters this system will know what to expect. They're not going to get broadsided by this. And mm -hmm. it's a good plan. And yep. this is the way, this is what we go with because yep. she's the captain. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is, uh, you know, she really wants to honor the intention of this memorial and, mm -hmm. and, but also give clarity to other people that might be surprised by it, yeah. like us, yeah. to say that there is a memorial here and it will give you the memories of, of this horrible tragedy that happened. So we have an uh, exterior shot of Voyager yeah. in orbit over Tarrakis or Tarrakis. And the next shot is basically of us on the planet surface at the memorial. It starts off pretty cool. It's like above all of us, basically. Yeah. We look down upon us. And I think even that, that all, that's all CGI as well, though, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Even the crew members. And then as it comes down to surface level, we see that we are making all the modifications. And by we, I mean Tom Paris and Harry Kim are making repairs to the monument as mm -hmm. Chakotay, Neelix, and the captain look on <laughs> as we do all the hard work, basically. But um, we beam out of there. And as we beam out, it just sort of ends on a shot of the memorial and the, and the power ball source, the ball starts yeah. to glow a little bit, right? Re-energizing so. whatever adjustments, improvements yes. we made or yes. working, this thing's going to work as it was meant to. So. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Woo. Yeah. This, uh, this was one gripping episode. Yes, yeah. It really was yeah. to me. I thought it was great. What's really your lesson? Good. What are you going to get out of this? I mean, there's I a lot a of couple lessons, of lessons. One lesson is always get your checkup on time instead of avoiding it. Like we did. Cause if we had gotten our checkup, <laughs> when the doctor said, come get your checkup, <laughs> we could have maybe prevented all of this confusion. <laughs> so go to the doctor, get your checkup on time. That's okay. one lesson. <laughs> What's your second um, lesson then? The other lesson is that the truth of the past can be painful for all of us, all mm -hmm. kinds of 
true, you know, events that have happened in our past or in, in history, but by remembering those truths that we can prevent ourselves from making the same mistakes. So that was sort of yeah, my, my real what, lesson. Yeah, the lesson so was the was doctor. Kinda... So was get your checkup. But yeah, <laughs> but the more emotional lesson was yeah. The the yeah. your second lesson is pretty much in line with what seven said to neelix yeah. in the mess hall which yeah. is you know my feelings of remorse help me remember what i did and prevent me from taking similar actions in the future mm -hmm. so that is again uh, the lesson that i came up with same thing so yeah. yeah make sure that the lessons from the past will inform the decisions of the future yeah mm -hmm. okay what is your rating for this episode i am going to give this episode a, I'm going to say 8.2. Oh, we're very close. What are you? I was, I had originally written down 8.2, but I'm, as we've recapped it, I'm going to up it to 8.5. I think okay. this was a really good episode. I'm going to say that the captains and admirals average rating is going yeah. to be 7.6. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, let's see, because I have it right here. Okay. The captains and admirals average rating for Memorial. I mm. said 8.5. You said 8.2. Mm. You think they're going to be... I seven. thought they were going to be lower. Maybe, maybe. And then that's because of what happened last week. So yeah. I'm sort of affected by that. I'm, I'm sticking to my 8.5. This is a good episode. Yeah. 7.8 is the average. Oh! 7.8. Wow. How well did I hit that average? Wow. Huh? I, I 0.01 off i'd give it an 8.5 this was well written well acted a, a really powerful idea mm -hmm. it involved the whole crew we had mm -hmm. moments of levity not as yeah. many as we often do but right. still plenty yeah really well directed by <clears throat> alan craker great yeah. writing i i stick with my 8.5 but i i respect the captains and admirals average 7.8 i totally respect it yeah Still good. Um, Still yeah. good. There you go. Okey We're done with Memorial. Mm -hmm. On to the next. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. Join Robbie and I next week when we talk about the episode Tsunkatsu. Tsunkatsu. Yeah. All right. That'll be fun. That'll be okay. a fun. Okay. Uh, Patreon patrons, please stay tuned.